0: You're listening to Crossroads International Church Podcast. Welcome. We hope this podcast will bless you from wherever you're listening to it. For more information, go to our website at xrgs.nl. And now, let's get into the podcast. Uh, Good afternoon, everybody. Um, Do me a favor quickly as we settle in, uh, just turn to your neighbor and say just... Uh, Seeing you just fills my heart with joy. I'm I'm so happy that you're here. If you don't have a neighbor, then look behind you, in front of you, find somebody to greet and welcome. Right, so we are busy with the epistle of James, the letter of James, uh, the half-brother of Jesus, who um, became a leader. In the early church, uh, in particular in Jerusalem, Uh, James was a leader there, and James was really known for, or what he became, he was respected for his ability to just give practical wisdom. Good advice to help uh, those early followers of Jesus scattered across the Roman Empire, just finding their feet in in their faith. And and as the church was at its early stages, uh, James was known for his ability to just give simple, down-to-earth, practical advice on what it means to follow Jesus. And you can read an example of this. We read about this in Acts chapter 15, verses 13 to 21, um, where James was so respected for giving godly wisdom that helped ordinary Christians make sense of what it means to be a follower of Christ Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, whether I'm at work or at home or with my friends or wherever. And so... If we understand that, we'll come to discover that in the book of James, in the letter of James, uh, James has, and it really is just so practical, uh, several key themes. One of those key themes is this idea of, he talks about, um, let me show you, let me talk to you about what is true religion, or James calls it pure religion. He talks about, really in essence, here's what it looks like when we follow Jesus, when we're obedient to him. This is what pure religion looks like. And what we'll come to discover, so so that's kind of a big theme for him, and he connects it to a verse in chapter 2, verse 8, and I think we can, as I study the book of James, we can understand the book of James in the context of this verse. Chapter 2, verse 8, where he says we are called to fulfill what he calls the royal law. Jesus, Jesus calls it the second great commandment. So the first is love the Lord your God with all that you are. And then love your, here's now the royal law, love your neighbor as you love yourself. James says this, and this kind of sits in the heart of the letter of James and all the other themes I think we should understand in the context of that verse. So when he talks about, here's what pure religion looks like, he then goes on and he talks about stuff like a prayer, unity, having concern for the poor, how we responsibly use our wealth, Um, the power of our words, how we engage and and speak to one another. He talks about being not just hearers, but doers of God's word. He talks about pride and and prejudice, showing favoritism. All of these themes, I think, can be understood when when we know that for James what's important, and that When we are living faithfully and obediently, we always seek to live out this royal law. Loving our neighbor as we love ourselves. And all that you read in James, all the themes will be an extension of that idea. So when he talks about words, which is what we're going to look at at today, it's so that I can love you with my words, my neighbor. When he talks about concern for the poor, it's so that I can love my neighbor as I love myself. Responsibly using our wealth, so that I can love my neighbor as I love myself. It's all hinged on this idea of fulfilling the royal law, the second commandment that Jesus talks about. So, yeah, so I, I've mentioned some of the themes that we get in the book, and we're going to get to some of them um, that I miss one? Concern for the poor, responsible use of wealth, the power of our words, uh, purity of life, or what's pure religion. I've said that. Unity, prayer, um, being patient in suffering. J.D. spoke about that last week. It's all connected to this idea of loving my neighbor as I love myself. And what we come to discover as we read the book of James And of course, that's what we encourage you to do. That's the idea behind the sermon series. It's a very short uh, letter, only five chapters, 108 verses. In fact, you can read it every day. The whole book, every day, till we're done with the series. Ooh, there's a challenge for you. Come on, read it every day until we're done with the series over the next three weeks or so. Oh boy, you'll be the wisest person walking around. (laughs) Practical wisdom for daily living. Book of James. So the idea is, is that it's not just a piece of literature that in the series we're going to dissect and, we, and we're going to um, dig in and, and this and that. That's not. As we look at the letter of James, we discover that what it is is so much more than just a piece of literature that should be analyzed and dissected. It is the living word of God for you and I for today so that we will have practical wisdom to follow and be more like Jesus. That's what it's about. Okay, so I'm going to pick up where J.D. left off last week, and I'm going to just focus on the last part of chapter 1, where he introduces this theme of the power of our words, how we speak is what we're going to focus on today. And then you'll discover that he deals with it not just towards the end of chapter 1, but we see this in chapter 3, in chapter 4, and he keeps referring back to this, and he keeps bringing this idea of loving your neighbor as you love yourself with your words. And that to speak life is not just merely a nice thing to do, a nice warm and fuzzy thing to do, but it is the faithful thing to do. It is the God thing to do, the right thing to do. It's exercising your faith when you love your neighbor as you love yourself with your words. Okay, so we're going to read from James 1 verses 19, 20, 26, and then I'm going to just touch on chapter 3 and chapter 4. Here we go. Know this, my dear brothers and sisters. Everyone should be quick to listen. Oh boy, slow to speak, slow to grow angry. This is because an angry person doesn't produce God's righteousness. If those who claim, verse 26, if those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they must lead themselves, and their devotion is worthless. That's harsh. Then in chapter three, he says, no one can tame the tongue, though. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we both bless the Lord and Father and curse human beings made in God's likeness. Blessing and cursing come from the same mouth, my brothers and sisters. It just shouldn't be this way. In chapter four, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment of it. Those are the passages we're going to look at today. Okay, so we're going to uh, look at one of the key themes in the epistle of James godly use of our tongues. And in doing so, we are practicing our faith, being obedient followers of Christ, and we are loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. And we're not standing in judgment of the law, as we read in chapter 4. Okay, but first a little story uh, that as I was preparing this, I was reminded uh, of something that happened, and maybe some of you will remember this. It happened three years ago, July, three years ago, at the airport in Paris, Charles de Gaulle Airport. Um, and what was happening? there was a plane taking off from the runway in Char- at uh, Charles de Gaulle going to Spain. There was another plane coming into land from America somewhere and the air traffic controller saying to the plane coming in for its landing uh, to land on runway 09L. What he should have said was runway 09R. He said L instead of R. L happened to be the runway that this plane going to Spain was using for its takeoff. So you can only just imagine the horror in this pilot's eye as he's on the runway getting ready to take off and there's a plane coming straight for them. Radios to the tower saying, uh, Houston, we have a problem. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't say Houston. That it. There's a plane coming straight for us. The air traffic controller realized his mistake and saying, abort your landing, uh, abort, and this pilot managed to abort his landing, and apparently just these two planes missing each other by like a hundred meters, you know, by like a hair in aviation terms, avoiding disaster, all because of L instead of R. Words are powerful, and I was reminded of the story as I was reading James, and this kind of really is what James is saying to us. He reminds us of this in chapter 1, in chapter 3, in chapter 4. As I said, there are 108 verses in the epistle of James. Uh, 22, so it's about 20% of the book, is dedicated to this theme of the power of words, and we forget how powerful our words are to one another. So what James is talking about is recorded and captured for us in the Old Testament. Uh, in Proverbs 18, 21, it says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And I think kind of what James is saying is, You are either forgetting this or you're not taking it seriously enough. That your words, you can love one another and speak life and healing and hope and good news and logos. We'll get to that just now. You can speak that and build one another up. Or you can use your tongue to break down, speak death, speak harm, and bring hurt. Just saying we, we cannot to those early followers across the Roman Empire of Jesus, underestimate the power of the tongue, the things we say to and about one another, spouses to one another if you are married, parents to children if you have children, children to parents if you have parents. Yeah, you you'll have parents. If you are single, your friends, your neighbors, James reminds us the power that lies within the tongue. So, let me remind you what what I said at the beginning. James 2 verse 8. Let me read it for us again. Fulfill the royal law found in scripture. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. And in that context, James talks about Words we speak to one another. And what he's saying is speaking life is not just a nice thing to do, it's not just a warm and fuzzy thing to do. In doing that, you're fulfilling the law, you're fulfilling the second commandment, you are practicing your faith, you are living an obedient life. This is what pure religion looks like for James. And he's challenging us. Will you consider the words you use when you speak to the people in your life, to your neighbor, which we know means basically everybody, (laughs) right? Okay, now I hope in the second service that you've all, uh, I hope we've stacked the seats again. Have you all received a card on your seat? You did? Okay, some of you are not sure. You're just looking at me with a stare as if you're not knowing what. On your seat, there should be a card. Yes or no? (laughs) There we go. Okay, if you've got it, great. So part of what we want to do, if you do not have one, you can get one at the door. Part of what we're wanting to do as we're going through the epistle of James is we want to memorize scripture together. We want to pick a memory verse uh, each week. And we're putting it on a card for you. You can take it with you. And I think there should be some spares there if you want to take one or two extra. And so for the whole series, you can collect a series of memory verses from the book of James. And so the memory verse for today, surprise, surprise, is chapter 1, verse 19. And it's the second part of it where it says, Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. Do you want to say that with me? Should we say it together? Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. Let us make that our memory verse for this week. Carry that with you. Put it where you're going to see it on a regular basis throughout the week. And allow that practical wisdom of James to infiltrate and inspire your interaction with the people in your life. If you have a spouse with your spouse, if you have kids with your kids, if you have neighbors with your neighbors, if you have colleagues, if you have friends, whoever is in your life, quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to grow angry. And James reminds us of this because he knows and he understands that most of us do, in fact, the exact opposite. <laughs> he knows us too well. He knows how we are. <laughs> no, I'm not even going to say that. Move on, Paul. Move on. He reminds us because we do the exact opposite opposite. And so what James wants wants us to really understand in that second part of chapter one, as I've said already, when I talk to you about the power of your words, it's not just a nice thing to do. It directly relates to your faith and how you express your faith. And you say, and so he talks about being doers and not just hearers of God's word. And what he's saying is, When I get to speak and how I speak, there's a direct connection between that and what I say I believe. You can't say you believe something, but then your actions, and in this case, your words, there's no connection. You can't say I believe in love and reconciliation and forgiveness and Jesus Christ and and all those things. But then when it comes to my neighbor, my words say something very different. He says, "How I speak, there's a connection with my faith. Pure religion it says, "What you believe and what you speak match up." In verse 26 of chapter one, he says, he says this. He says, "If those who claim devotion to God don't control what they say, they mislead themselves. Their devotion. Is worthless. In the NIV, it says it this way: those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. Can you see the connection he's making between your speech and your faith? And their religion is worthless, it says. I mean, it's a harsh statement, but in some way he's saying, listen, if what you say you believe and hear does not match what comes, there's something that still needs redeeming in you. Some when you say, "God, come by Your Holy Spirit, and let Your Word take root in me," fill my heart with Your Word so that that's what comes out, especially. When I'm under pressure. How how do we sin with our words? How do we hurt with our words? Maybe something for you to reflect upon this week. I thought about it and I come up with a few things. How we could possibly sin and speak hurt and destruction and death. Use our tongue for that. Um, Swearing profanity, making false promises, lying, gossiping, oh, there's a good one, harassing, berating, you've got teenagers in the house, backbiting, belittling, Exaggerating? I've never done that. (laughs) So many ways that if we don't say, Lord, come and redeem my speech, so many ways we can cause hurt and harm to one another. Our words are powerful, James reminds us. I pray that you will hear this wisdom from God's word. They can lift us up, or they can deeply, deeply hurt. See, James also understands how we are made. You know, in psychology, they speak about uh, a negativity bias or a positive-negative asymmetry. And really, just what it says is we have this tendency. See if you recognize this about yourself that we have this tendency that a hundred people can come to you and say positive things, then one person comes and says a negative thing, where do you focus? Right? We like that. And so, James, say, and that's why said it's so much more important than that God's people. Husbands and wives, children, neighbors, colleagues, friends, that we go and say, Lord, redeem my speech and my tongue. Let the words bring life and not death. I saw on a regular, regular basis, in fact, this morning, again, after the first service, Meet adults, grown-ups, who are still in so much pain because of words, words said to them as children. The first service, somebody came to me afterwards and said, Paul, I, I have no memory of the first 10 years of my life. I couldn't figure this out until I went to some family members and said to them, What? What's up with that? And one aunt saying to him, I've been waiting for this day. And she told him about the first 10 years of his life. And the things that were done to him and said to him. And then he realized as a result, and he'd never seen or noticed before, had done the same with his firstborn child. I later realized that the pain that these words caused in his life caused him to cause word, but to use words of pain in the life of the people he loves more than anything. I still meet on a regular basis adults who are living with such pain because of dysfunctional relationships. Things friends say to them, colleagues, spouses, the things we say to one another. Sometimes in our frustration and in our anger. We can use words and they are, and they are designed and they are carefully picked to cause as much hurt and harm as we can possibly inflict. And as I sit in the office, I I see just on such a regular basis, email after email, phone call after phone call, from marriages in our community, in our congregation who are in trouble because we have forgotten the power of our words. part of the message of James, verse 21. The beautiful thing, and this is what I want to say to you. Verse 21, it says, Accept the word planted in you, for it can save you. And that word word used, is the same word that John uses in John 1 when he says, In the beginning was the? And the word was with God, and the word was God, Jesus. And so James says, this is part of his message, accept the word planted in you by God's spirit, for it will save you. And I want to say to you, if words have been used, and you are living with words from your past that have caused you pain and has shaped who you are today and what you, how you see yourself and how you believe yourself because of words used, I want to say to you, James reminds us, allow the Word, the Logos, Jesus Christ, to be planted in you, to take root in you, to grow, that it fills you to overflowing, Because the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ can save you from even the harshest and most horrible words used in your past. The message of James, I said in the first service, because words are powerful, right? Um, I was in my first year of school. And uh, the teacher gave us our books back, and she put a sticker on on the front of each kid's book. And the kids got like, I don't know if you ever got those stickers at school where, you know, they've got like squiggly eyes. Anybody? Okay, it's just me. Right. So, And they would get like, you know, a lion and and a tiger and an elephant. And I get my book back, and I get a crab. I'm like, so I go to the teacher. I'm like, why did I get a crab? And she goes, because you write like one right? So here I am. Now, of course, she she didn't mean to be, you know, horrible. I don't think so, but um, she's saying, like, you know, your handwriting is terrible. And so really, this this is, I mean, there's no joke. To this day, when someone asks me to fill out a birthday card or whatever for somebody, I'm like, okay, let me just compose myself. Let me just write neatly, not like a crab, right? I'm 50 years old. That was said when I was six years old, Words are powerful. They can bold and encourage. Or they can cause harm and death. Hear the word of God. And also hear that the word of God can save you from the vilest of words used in your past. Allow it to be planted in you. I, I was just, you know, I shared with the first service, I was just, as I was preparing this, I was reminded of a funeral I did of a young person, young adult, late teens, who took, uh, he took his own life, uh, and chatting with his parents. Uh, so much of that had to do with words used against them. Words have power. How will you use your Words. They can destroy your marriage, or they can make it the most beautiful thing in this world. Side note. Isn't it interesting how often it's the people closest to us whom we claim to love the most are at the receiving end of our words of frustration and anger. And the ones we claim to love most, we often hurt and harm the worst. You remember our memory verse? Quick to listen. Thank you, Sean. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and Slow to get angry. Why? He says it in verse twenty, because it's when we're angry we use words. And in verse twenty, it says, "This is." He says, "Slow to angry." This is because an angry person doesn't produce God's righteousness. An angry person says words that they regret. And so, for James, he's saying, when we speak, we can love. Our neighbor as we love ourselves with our words. Jesus got something to say about it. Uh, In Luke 6 verse 45, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. And here it is. Jesus' words, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. James, the word is planted in you. So you and I should pray, God, the word, the Logos, the good news. Lord, let the good news planted in me take root and flourish and grow so that it fills me and it consumes me and it transforms me. So that when I am under pressure and squished like a tub of toothpaste, (laughs) what will come out is what my heart is full of. Life. Life hope even when I'm suffering trials, the first part of chapter 1 you see because when you squeeze a tube of toothpaste, it's not peanut butter that's going to come out of it what comes out is what's in here what is your heart full of Matthew 12, 36, 37, Jesus says again, he says, I tell you on the day of judgment, now remember this is Jesus speaking, I tell you on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak, for by your words, you will be justified, and by your words, you will be condemned. I love the epistle of James because even though it was written hundreds of years ago, it is relevant for you and me today. It's wisdom that we all need to hear. God, will you put an angel on my tongue? God, my tongue. So that when I speak... I speak life, logos, and plant in the hearts of the people closest to me and the people I come in contact with, plant words of logos, of life, of hope, not words of pain and hurt and death and destruction. And so he says in verse 22, as I conclude, he challenges us, he says, hey, don't just be hearers of God's word, be doers of God's word. And in this context, you are a doer of God's word when you love your neighbor as yourself in the way that you speak. then... Towards the end of chapter 1, verses 26, 27, he makes it really sharp for us. Again, in the context of our words, he says, and especially followers of Christ, people of Jesus, Logos people around the Roman Empire, (laughs) you have a duty to speak life, Good news, and then in verse 27, especially to those who have been oppressed by the words of others, who have been marginalized by the words of others, who are poor and hurting because of the words of others. Your calling is to go into the world, go into every relationship you find yourself And speak life. Let us pray. As we just take a moment to pray. Before we rush off and leave this place. Let's just take a moment to pray. Firstly. I want you to to ask of yourself. Honestly where. Where have my words caused harm this week? Allow God's Spirit to bring to mind and to memory those interactions you've had this week with people. Or perhaps even further back than that, where your words have caused death. And ask God, please forgive me. I bring that to you and I, I repent and I say I'm sorry and will you please forgive me. But will you also pray and ask God to give you opportunity to where and when appropriate to make it right. And go and apologize and speak words of life in its place. You know, I just want to say, I, I know there are many singles here and I love you, but please will you just allow me to, to just quickly say to those who are married. You see, it's not just not saying words of harm, but it's also failing to say good things when you should have said good things. It's not just sitting there, Paul, well I, well, I didn't say hurtful things. But did you say good things? And say, so, Lord, will you create space and opportunity this week for me to make right? And then secondly, for those who are seated here today, who have been on the receiving end of words that have, in some cases, shaped you as an adult, has shaped and informed how you see yourself, what you think of yourself, and then from that place interact with the world. I pray that you will hear the words of James 1:21. Accept the Logos planted in you. Let it take root, for it will save you. And he says in chapter 5 those who are hurting, let them pray. And so we pray. Lord, will you bring healing where our words have caused harm? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening and we hope that you have a wonderful week. See you next time.